to another episode of Rockstar Violinist, the podcast from Electric Violin Shop that brings you the most hardcore violinists in the world. I'm your host, Matt Bell. Now, when we talk about hardcore, Ben Karras is certainly that. He's a music school grad, which you can definitely hear in his playing, and he's a prog rock metalhead. Right now, we're listening to one of his original tunes called Dawn of Phantom Light, played by his band Windfarer. This podcast is brought to you by Electric Violin Shop, the one-stop shop for all of your electric violin needs. Instruments, bows, effects, amps, and advice. Follow EVS on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for tons of really informative and entertaining content and shop for your next instrument or gear at electricviolinshop.com. By the way, I'm doing a ton of traveling right now. I did much of the editing for this podcast in airports around Europe, and I'm recording this in my dorm room at the Mark Wood Rock Orchestra Camp in Kansas. So I'm sorry if there's any weird noises outside or if the audio quality of my voiceover isn't incredibly stellar. I caught up with Ben as he was coming through Durham, North Carolina with his incredible band, Thank You Scientist. We got a chance to hang out at Electric Violin Shop and then got this incredible interview in the green room before the opening act went on. By the way, if you're enjoying these interviews, please do us a favor and subscribe, like, and comment on whatever platform you're using. That helps us a lot. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and enjoy my chat with Ben Karras, rock star violinist. So we're, uh, we're sitting back here in the green room. We're backstage at the Thank You Scientist show. Durham, North Carolina, the Motor Co. with uh, with Ben Karras, world famous violinist. Hey, world famous, you say? World famous, indeed. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about the tour that you guys are on right now, and a little bit about the band. So, um, well, the tour has been a bit of a journey. Um, it's been a month long tour. We're um, supporting a new record that's coming out June fourteenth called Terraformer. So that's going to be uh, about eighty four minutes of slamming prog music uh, so we're very excited to be putting that out and um, yeah the, it's been a month of headlining shows we're um, being supported by In the Presence of Wolves and Kindo both really good bands um, and yeah it's been a blast so far we've been um, surprised with the turnouts um, blessed with the turnouts like a lot of this tour has been surpassing expectations we've um, had some sold out shows Denver um, I think LA was pretty much sold out um, some really cool markets and um, yeah it's been a lot of fun and along with that we've had some problems with our vehicle if anybody's been following the thank you scientists Instagram yeah yeah well, you'll see we've had uh, some bumps in the road most recently last night our transmission uh, completely fried for lack of a better term and uh, you know we're dealing with getting that fixed but luckily we have not had to miss a single show so far so um, you know we'll, we'll take what we can get man I was looking at your schedule and you guys started in New York and worked out to the west coast and then came back like through Texas God's country and then here <laughs> up to North Carolina and you're maybe what four or five more shows to go until you get home yeah I got uh, yeah I think four more uh, five including today so yeah we're just shooting up the east coast to, to get back home man that's a grueling schedule though there's like hardly any days off of there yeah, the uh, our, our booking agent he places the days off for the uh, for the ten and eleven hour drives. So uh, okay. they're 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 tactfully done. Yeah. So yeah, talk a little bit about being on a on a tour that's that's 
it's bigger than you guys and like your mom's station wagon for sure, but you're not on the, like the, the bus and, and chartered 747 territory. Just some of the challenges and some of the, the, the fun part that comes along with that. Oh, well, I mean, the fun part obviously is just being able to play and also just the fact that we're headlining um, and we're pulling the types of numbers that we're getting. You know, most of these rooms are, you know, we're getting at least 200 people showing up, which, you know, it's, you know, for doing original music and also, like, we get lumped into the progressive rock category. Um, to be able to get that kind of attention, it's really a blessing. Like, we're, we all feel extremely lucky. Um, your, your tour dog just walked yeah, in. Yeah, uh, Tom just dropped Mighty Max. Our awesome. tour pit bull. Is like, does security or is that his deal? Security, mostly emotional support. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, but yeah, so the the shows have been great, and uh, you know, doing a hour and a half headlining set, um, it just really gives us the chance to open up on stage and really let loose. You know, we've done some support tours where, you know, for us playing a half hour set means doing you know maybe four songs a lot right. of the time. So just enough to get us going, but um, so yeah, just the the shows, and also we've been around the country a handful of times already. So we have certain spots that we'd like to check out, like um, you know Portland. You know we love going around there. You know Stumptown Coffee, Powell's Books, or um, going to Amoeba Records in L.A. Like things like that. It's nice to be able to just go around and you know know a few things sure. in each city. So it's kind of cool to be you know to have that experience under our belt so far. Right. Um, and then the challenges, um, you know, with a seven-piece band plus a, plus a tour manager plus a dog, um, you know, um, yeah, obviously the, the financial aspect is tough, you know, because, you know, it's, you know, here we are touring, we're living in an army for a month, so there's a lot of expenses coming in, um, and just managing that, and also, you know, unfortunately with the RV dealing with, um, you know, some vehicle failure, failure from time to time. Sure. So, uh, but you know, it's a, it, it's an adventure. We we really love what we're doing, and we're happy to be here. Yeah. So yeah, talk about like the role that you play in this band. Maybe describe the band for people who haven't heard you. We're going to listen to a bunch of your music during this podcast, but we'll talk about instrumentation and the writing process and all that. Yeah, thank you, scientist. It's a seven-piece band. So you got your standard rock instrumentation, guitar, bass, drums, singer, and then I play five-string electric violin. And then we got saxophone and trumpet to round out the mix, and um, the band, um, you could call it progressive rock, that's kind of what we get categorized as, but um, I like to call it a little more just fusion, because you know, a lot of jazz elements, some metal elements, um, we'll throw in some little classical bridge sections here and there. Um, we like to keep our options open and not limit ourselves. Sure. Um, and uh, my role in the band, um, I like to approach the violin very open-minded. Because um, I feel, out of all the instruments, the violin's role is the least defined in this situation. The guitar, bass, drums—that's your rhythm section. So they're holding down the riffs. They're, you know, the meat and potatoes of the, of the rock sound. And then, you know, the singer—that's your vocal melody. That's on top. That's, you know, that's where all the all the hooks are really coming from. Yeah. So that's that's got to be very present at all times when when it is present. And the horns, you know, they're playing like a horn section. They're offering pads. Um, sometimes they have little, like, counterpoint parts that they're doing. Um, so already that's a lot of stuff going on. Right. So I feel it's my job to, you know, add my voice to um, emphasize what I feel can be brought out. 
So whether it's being, you know, acting like a third horn or acting like a second guitarist or acting like, um, you know, a, another vocalist, you know, harmonizing the vocal melody or something. Or sometimes, you know, just being a solo violinist and taking a melody that nobody else is doing. Um, so that's what I love about this band and I have that kind of freedom to explore and just, you know, kind of like camouflage, but um, camouflage but stand out. Sure. Um, that's so that's, that's kind of how I, I approach this, this project. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in my experience, the electric violin is the most versatile instrument pretty much on any rock stage. Yeah, but even, um, I mean, as far as just the violin in general being versatile, I mean, um, uh, Yehudi Menuhin was a big influence as far as uh, my violin playing goes. My teacher in college studied directly with him, and um, that was one of Menuhin's philosophies. He felt like the violin was the, like, kind of the central instrument of all of them, like it has aspects of everything. You know, you can have sustain like a horn player, you can have articulation and speed like a guitarist, you can have, well, you can you can sing, you can do legato passages like a, like a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like all these elements you can do, at, at least some of it on the violin, um, which, which I think is something that's beautiful to be, able to, to be able to utilize. Yeah, absolutely. This is Swarm, a single from the Thank You Scientist album, Terraformer. This is a a guitar and violin harmonized solo. I got a chance to listen in on y'all's sound check today. It's amazing. I cannot wait for the show tonight. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, your gear, your violins that you have, and, and then your, your amps and, and everything else. So what I'm working with right now, my main instrument, it's a five-string Vector Omega. Um, so this guy, uh, Nick Tipney's the, the luthier. Um, he is up in Nova Scotia, if you don't know, Vector Instruments. and. Uh, Basically, he has a workshop and he goes and picks the trees himself, chops them down, and makes custom instruments out of them. So I have the, uh, his Omega model as my primary, and then I have um, a Prodigy as an alternate, if I ever feel like you know, changing up a little bit. Sure. Um, I like the Omega because it's, you know, it's a really like, nice, kind of flashy-looking instrument. Um, yeah, it's just got a nice body. That's Max eating his food That's in the right. background. That might be getting picked up. Nobody stops a dog if he's hungry. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. So the, the Omega has a nice full sound. The Prodigy, it's a much lighter instrument, so it's got a bit of a brighter, a little bit more air to the sound. Which um, in the studio, it's nice to have you know the two contrasting yeah, for sure. textures. Um, so then, for my effects right now, I'm running through just the Line Six Helix, um, and I'm treating that one as a pedal board in my main rig. So you know, I have um, you know phasers, delays, reverbs, wah, you know, a lot of standard fare on there. In the context of this band, I don't do anything too out there with effects just because there's already so much going on. So it's really just kind of, you know, adding a little bit of salt here and there where you know, where it needs some more flavor. Sure. Um, and uh, the Helix is great, you know, for um, if we have flight dates because then I can 
you know, just use the, the impulse responses and the AMP models and that are built in and just plug directly into the house. So that's that's a huge convenience there. Sure. Um, and then my AMP, so I'm using a Randall Arm 100. Um, and then the cab I have, it was built for me by um, this guy, uh, Rob D'Antonio, um, Jaded Faith Mods in uh, Bordentown, New Jersey. Um, so, yeah, I just chose the speakers. It's a uh, Celestian um, Classic Lead 80 and a Celestian V-Type. So I got those two different speakers in there to you know, combine and make a nice tone. And it's a slant cab, so it's angled towards my head, which is really nice and uh, you know, quite necessary. Because so. you don't have ears in the back of your legs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the amp, so uh, Rob, he also makes um, his own modules for these ARM 100 units. So I have um, one module that models a Vox AC30, that's what I use for my cleans. I have uh, a Wagner Ecstasy model for um, you know, my light, um, my lead distortion, and then I have, um, for a heavier, more metal distortion, I have um, a Crank, Krankenstein model. So uh, it's a pretty, pretty sick rig, and yeah. I'm really happy with it. Um, yeah, I just, this is my second full tour using this setup, and uh, I, I think this is the, the best sound I've gotten. I've uh, gotten a bunch of compliments too, so uh, yeah. yeah. Jaded Faith Mods, he's a, there you go. that's my guy. Awesome. <clears throat> so uh, this is not the only band that you play with. Correct. Yeah, talk about, uh, talk about some of your other projects. So um, my other main band right now is uh, called Windfair, and um, you could call us black metal or folk metal. Um, that's kind of what we get labeled as. Um, so Windfair, I've been in that band for about 10 years. Um, we have three full-length records out. We have one EP, um, and we're working on another full-length, which we hope to record later this year. Um, and that band, um, obviously, I've been I've been that longer than I've been in Thank You Scientist. That band, I've really been able to kind of crack my sound and learn how I want to use utilize electric violin. Um, Windfair, I'm playing with uh, it's two guitar players, bass drums and you know, screaming vocals so there's a lot of sound that I'm, I'm cutting through so um, you know, that, that's where that's where I started using high gain amplifiers and you know like my, my original amp that I used was a, an Ignator Armageddon 120 oh. watts so that thing you know I, I needed that power to cut through the mix um, but uh, in that band um, I do a lot of the leads um, and you know I, I've always been influenced by, uh, by guitar playing you know, like Randy Rhodes, the first Ozzy Osbourne albums, that was one of my earliest, like, really concrete musical influences that, you know, that, that, that playing really spoke to me. Um, and then from there, I got into like, Campbell Corpse, I got into, you know, some of the Norwegian black metal, like Emperor. You know, I, I went down those rabbit holes, and yeah, I still listen to a ton of death metal today. I've been in kind of like a, a slam death metal kick lately, a lot of... <laughs> Dehumanized, suffocation, skinless. You know, staying up late nights, driving in the yeah. on tour. Um, but uh, yeah, so in Windfair, I, I do a lot of leads, but I also like to get down and dirty and play like a third rhythm guitar. And um, that's one of the things I think is special about that band is that I have the option to like just add to the heaviness. And I think that's one thing that makes makes that band stand out, and it's just something I love to do. Um, uh, yeah, the, the last record we put out was in um, last October, October 2018, uh, called Alma. Um, so that record was put out through Avant-Garde Music and it features obviously the whole band and we also have a live string quartet doing some additional parts. 
uh, which we layered to get kind of an orchestral sound. Um, so it's very lush, a lot of ambiance, um, very emotional music, um, and yeah, it's very heartfelt. Like I feel in that band that we all, well, with any band I do, everybody really just puts their heart and soul into it, and um, you know, it's an honor to work work with guys in that capacity. Now let's check out a tune called Blooded Shore by Windfarer. So as you were practicing today and warming up, I'm hearing some Bach partitas. So you're obviously a classically trained player. Yeah. So talk about the journey from, I'm assuming, Suzuki at a young age. Oh, I, um, so the way I got into playing violin, um, my grandfather on my father's side, Yoji Karras, he was in the Hartford Symphony for about 40 years. He's uh, had his own string quartet, but he um, taught at the Hart School. And he, um, I know with, uh, with my father and my uncles, he always wanted somebody to play violin, and he was very pushy in his ways. And um, only uh, his youngest son um, stuck with violin. But um, I remember being at my grandparents' house one day, and my parents, they came to me and they said, okay, Ben, it's time for you to learn an instrument, violin or flute. I chose violin, and uh, so, I was kind of resistant at first, and you know, when I was young, I had to get pushed. And uh, um, you know, the classical training—that's what I was sticking to. Um, a lot of stuff out of Suzuki, um, but also just um, you know, kind of more traditional. You know, not necessarily by the book Suzuki stuff, but just thrown in pieces, that, whatever my teacher prescribed. Um, and then I eventually went to college at Montclair State, and I studied classical violin there. Um, and I studied with uh, Boris Kucharski, who is now um, one of the principal teachers at the Menuhin School over in England. Um, and Boris, he, you know, he kind of opened my eyes to classical music in a way that I didn't quite understand when I was in high school and younger, growing up. Um, and uh, yeah, just he kind of he, he took my technique. He we rebuilt a lot of basics from the ground up and. Um, yeah, I, I 100% would not be where I am today without that kind of that kind of training that, that he showed me and that you know that that passion, that depth for um you know for not just appreciation but also understanding phrasing and just you know learning about you know the pieces and you know and just learning how to like milk the most out of out of a, out of melody and just, you know, and to play with feeling but also intelligence. Um, you know, that's something that he always emphasized to, you know, not just play with emotion, but to really mentally know exactly what you're doing and, um, you know, all the logic behind it, whether it's, you know, knowing the chord progressions that the, the melody is going over or even just down to, you know, pulling apart a line that is difficult and how to practice it in a, a million different ways. Um, so, um, yeah, the classical training that is, that, that's, that's my, my foundation that I built everything off of, and you know, I wouldn't be here without it. Sure. So then, how do you move from Corelli to Cannibal Corpse? How do you how do you 
learn how to play that stuff? Uh, I, I just kind of went for it. I mean, it's, you know, the, the classical technique, um, you know, that's where you develop your, your bow, your, your bow control. So, you know, whether it's um, going through Kreutzer etudes. Um, so a lot of that, you know, going for the metal stuff, it, I'm taking all classical elements, but I'm just kind of listening to, you know, whatever is influencing me. So it happens to be you know, a, lot of, a lot of death metal. So I'm listening to the tremolo picking, you know, the, you know, the chugging riffs, um, you know, just trying to mimic that sort of sound with the bow. So um, I would say typically I'm playing with a little bit more, a little bit more strength. Because you kind of got to dig in, especially you know, um, playing on a five string. You know, when you have the the low C string, you need a little bit extra strength to go into it. But um, yeah, it's just a, a balance between being loose, but also you know, having some some oomph, some some balls to it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's tough to say exactly how I did it. But uh, yeah, I just kind of crafted the sound. I used my ear. Like I think, really just objectively listening to what you're doing, recording yourself, whether it's putting putting your phone up in the room or um, especially at home now that recording software is so accessible. Um, just, you know, getting some basic software and equipment and just, you know, making demos. Um, I mean, with Winfair, that's how we do a lot of our, our writing. Like, we'll each, we'll, we'll record demos on our own and then we'll bring them into the room and just kind of hash them out, you know, through the gauntlet of constructive criticism sure. and we'll shape the tunes from there but um but yeah getting into recording software has um really helped me dial in my tone and just be honest with how i actually sound yeah so where where did all this sort of technical knowledge come from i guess sort of the school hard knocks technical knowledge is in like technique playing no is like uh gear and recording techniques and and amps and, and effects Oh, um, with the gear, I mean, a lot of it was just me, I mean, when, when I was first getting into playing in, um, in like a rock setting, you know, like my first band was in, my first band I played in was in high school, it was called Reaper, and uh, you know, some, buddies of my, some buddies of mine uh, had it formed and they just asked me to join. And uh, that's kind of where I experimented at first, so I just had a, a bass amp and then I had um, a Boss Metal Zone pedal. So I started there, and then, um, yeah, I, as time went on, I joined other bands, and, um, you know, I used to rehearse, well, I still rehearse at this one space called Hellhound. Uh, they're in Rahway, New Jersey, and, um, you know, they have all sorts of amps, a lot of half stacks there, and um, so that's where I got to experiment with different amps, and, uh, you know, I, I liked using maces a lot, um, mm -hmm. oranges were fun, uh, marshals, just seeing what all these different pieces of equipment sound like, and I kind of just tried different things out and then tweaked things over time and got to see what I like. Um, I can't say that in a lot of this upbringing I knew any other electric violinists. I just, you know, I, I didn't know any at the time. Um, you know, I knew plenty of classical players through school, but um, yeah, as far as I knew, or at least where, where I was, I was the only person I knew who was trying to get these kind of sounds out of the instrument. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until later. Um, yeah, I've met um, like Earl and his band Resolution Fifteen, mm -hmm. um, Joe Denon's own. Um, I've taken some lessons with him, and uh, yeah, the, and now obviously here I'm sitting with you. We've been geeking out for yeah. for a while now, uh, just talking talking gear and whatnot. But um, yeah, a lot of it was just you know just trial and error, just 
trying as much stuff as possible, seeing what you like, what you don't like. Um, if there's a certain aspect like, um, you know, the Marshall has a, when I was playing that, it's uh, the low end for me, you know, it sounded kind of tight, but there was a certain air to the sound, a certain headspace. I like that. Can the Mesa reproduce any, any of those elements? You know, like what, 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 what adjectives can I get in the different pieces of equipment? Like what, what are the capabilities? Um, which is, you know, to come back to the rig I'm using right now, the, uh, the modular head, it's great because I can literally have three separate amplifiers in one head. Yeah, which is incredible. super. Yeah, it's 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 really really convenient, and it's uh, it, it's it's awesome to have that that kind of flexibility. And that's not even all that um, that that uh, that Rob makes. He has tons of different models that that he's uh, that he's mimicked. Um, so yeah, just using the ear, just kind of having a grasp of what you want, and then just having fun, just just experimenting. I don't think there's any substitution really. Like you can't really teach that I think you just kind of have to do it yeah I'm part of a lot of forums on, on Facebook and, and, and elsewhere for string players and there's so many new people coming in well hey can you just give me a bunch of settings to play and I, there's no substitute for the process of just hours and hours and hours spent in a room making weird noises yeah and then maybe that's not even a sound that oh gosh I I don't even know that where I would use that, but I'm gonna sort of stick that in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And about a year later, you're gonna hear a song and go, "Oh, I got just the sound for that song." Yeah, yeah. And one one thing that I've, you know, as I've gotten a little older, not that I'm, I'm 29 now, so I'm not like old or anything, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as I've matured, um, just being less, um, what's the word? Um, at least in the process of experimenting with sounds, um, just not being too critical all the time, but just be more curious. Mm. You know, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, you know, like just be, be be forgiving and understand that anytime you, you make a recording, you know, you should always be doing your best no matter what. Um, but, you know, I'll listen to stuff that I wrote on some of the earlier Windpair recordings and it's like, you know, if now if I were to approach that same that same section, I would have done something completely different. Or like, what was I thinking using 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 this kind of tone or using this gear? But you know, you, you have what you you have what you know at the time, and um, you know, you just have to accept every part of your own journey as just a, a stepping stone to the next. Yeah, and just that you're you're constantly growing, you're constantly changing, and um, you know what might sound good at one point in time later on. You know, you might have found a better way to do it that sounds better, is easier to do. Um, so just being forgiving of yourself and uh, not too hard on yourself during the growing process. Sure. I mean, that's the thing about tape is that that, that thing that you put down today is going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 cool to hear, hear later on this sort of snapshot of your of your life and your your art. And yeah, I'm in the same boat where all stuff that I've written ten years ago, I listen back and I go, oh. Wow, I mean, it's not that bad. I would do it differently today, but honestly, I can live with that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just um, yeah. Just li- listening back and just—it's nice to just be able to see how how you progressed as a as a player, just how it changed. Right. You know. Um, yeah. It's been it never stops. This is an excerpt from Chromology, another thank you scientist tune. 
you're going to give advice, because you're playing in a couple of bands and you're filling roles that people wouldn't traditionally think, yeah, that's, that's a place for a violin right there, right? So if you're going to give advice to a kid who's coming up and they're playing a the violin, they're interested in a style of music that they really don't see a lot of role models in violin, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, so just blanket advice for anybody just trying to fit in any band. Think about your voice, or voicing. Um, you know, think about the part you're playing in the given song and always keep the big picture in mind. You know, like where, where does your line sit? You know, what's, what's happening in the band? What's, what's the rhythm section doing? Are there vocals? You know, because if you're in a band with a singer, chances are you're going to want the vocals on top unless, you know, you're doing something kind of avant-garde. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when, when you're writing lines, really think about how they sit into the overall composition. Like, if you were to score everything out, um, that's one of the things that Thank You Scientist does um, Every single time we, we go into the studio, uh, we get you know our, our Sibelius or Finale files together and we just score out everything so we can see exactly what's going on. We can see where, you know, if all the harmonies are correct or if there are some minor seconds in there, are they intentional or are they mistakes? Because when you're learning everything in the ear, in the room by ear, you know, you, you learn things incorrectly or just mistakes happen. But sure. that's how we kind of just do the comb for detail. But, but yeah, just listening to the big picture and whatever line you're playing, just think about that voice and kind of staying within that pocket, within that range. And I think that's um, that, that's a very general way to to fit into a lot of environments. Just being conscious of where you sit in the mix and in the composition, um, and is to not be all over the place unless it's a part of the song where your job is to go all over the place, like a solo, for instance. So that, that, that's probably the first piece of advice that, uh, that I would tell somebody. Yeah. Um, so you do some improv in this band. Mm -hmm. um, talk about sort of your thought process in, in improvising. So improv is something that I've kind of I've, I've wrestled with over, over the years, um, being a classical musician. You know, so my upbringing, I'm very used to having stuff, just reading off the page and going with that. And... Um, that's one of the greatest things to happen to me in Thank You Scientist is now I'm surrounded by, you know, pretty much all jazz musicians. Um, you know, um, I live with Tom, uh, the guitar player. He's also, um, you know, the mastermind behind the band. Um, so I get to see, I get to live and see how he practices. And, um, you know, I'm always kind of taking in things from all these guys. Um, so nowadays um, I improv my solos on, on Thank You Scientist sets. Um, and... The way I approach it, I just kind of, I feel like when, when you're internalizing changes, for me, it's easiest to just go through the changes, and I like to um, do a lot of double stop practice. Um, so I'll just come up with, um, like, a voice leading with double stop. So I'll just try to, 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 I'll start with just two strings, and I'll just try to voice lead my way through the changes with as little motion as possible. And, you know, maybe I'll pick one voice leading per day, and I try not to drive myself too crazy, but just sit with it and just kind of internalize it. Um, and then, you know, whatever relative, relative scales uh, would make sense over the changes, you know, I, I utilize pentatonics a lot, because, you know, pentatonics, they're, they're very accessible, you can use them in a lot of situations, so, you know, it's solid to fall back on. And also, I, I feel 
you know, with the with these guys playing, you know, with all these crazy jazz chops in the band, you know, they do a lot of a lot of crazy out there stuff that I'm, you know, still trying to wrap my head around a lot of times. So, you know, if I take a solo that's maybe not quite as out there you know, as far as sophistication, it fits for the band. It's like, you know, it's maybe a little more primal. Okay. Um, but um, but yeah, I, the way I approach it, I just like to internalize the changes and do a lot of double stop practice, a lot of scale practice, arpeggiating chords. Um, and then when it comes time to, to solo, I just, yeah, I, I, I can't think too much when I'm in the moment on stage, so I just go for it, and I just fall back on my ear. So I feel like if I've got the harmonies really internalized, if my ear knows what it wants to play, it's that much easier to, to bring it out in your, in your hands. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of just really internalizing the hell out of uh, the, uh, the changes that you're playing over. I think that's the, that, that's... That's my way of approaching it. Yeah, awesome. So probably my favorite Thank You Scientist song on the, the upcoming record um, is called Anchor. Um, it's a it's a big tune. It's it's a slow burn. It's a big build, um, and uh, also definitely the most metal tune. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of heavy parts on it, and it's very dramatic. You know, it's a G minor tonality, and uh, I get to take a solo on it. Um, yeah, this so um, this tune, um, yeah. Me and Tom sat down. We did a. You know, There's a lot of um, just violin and guitar work at the beginning. Um, like the very beginning is just pizzicato violin and um, just some open like arpeggiated guitar chords, um, and then the voice comes in, and then the horns eventually. It just kind of gradually develops, and I loved working on this tune because there's, you know, I. I I just felt like I had a lot of input on it from the very beginning, and a lot of say in, in the melodies that went on, um, even crafting some of the vocal parts. Um, and then the first chorus we have, it's all clean, like we don't have the distortion kicked on yet. Um, and it's not until the second verse um, where you know we kick on the drive. That's where I get to play a lot of big, you know, open chords, you know, real heavy chugs, you know, me and the bass lock up. Um, and it just kind of gets kind of chaotic there, and um, we have a bit of an instrumental bridge section that gets very eerie. You know, I do um, this one part; it's kind of a Bartok-y sort of percussive sounding, just jagged melody with, uh, with delay trails on it. Um, and then there's another kind of Diary of a Madman-like bridge that, that we do um, the uh, guitar, the violin, and the sax play that in unison, and the bass. Um, and then the solo I take, it's just me, I, full distortion, you get to use a lot, a little delay, and um, I, I feel like it's one of my strongest solos that I've written to date on, on the album, so I'm very, very happy with how that one turned out. Um, and yeah, I just feel like this tune, it, it, there's never a dull moment in it, it's just constantly growing and building, and it, you know, the climax is at the end, and it's, it's just one of the most satisfying pieces of music to play. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I look forward to it every every single night. Awesome. And well, we'll listen to it right now. Yeah. No reason, no 
Too much.
you said you you had one other tune you wanted to talk about? Yeah, which uh, which one do I want to do? Um, there's a, a Windfair tune off of Alma. That's the most recent record we put out um, called Journey. Um, so actually, that was uh, written by Mike, uh, one of the guitar players. Um, and that tune is uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a pretty straightforward tune, um, you know, like verse chorus type type of structure. Um, and that one, it's a, it's a really fun tune to play because um, we use a whammy for that one. And um, Mike came up with a melody um, which he wanted the violin to play the lead on. And um, it's all good. We're in a green room, like full of people yeah, right now. So like, there's people moving cases around and, and walking in and out, and we got the band dog sitting here. So yeah, that, that's all the noise you hear in the background. Yeah. But it's cool. We're backstage, so casual rock and roll. That's right. Um, yeah, this, this tune journey. It's one of my my favorite wind pair songs to play that we've been doing um, pretty regularly in our sets. Um, so yeah, the, the main melody that that I play, um, yeah, Mike wrote as as a lead. And um, I, I was just putzing around with it, and I just kicked the whammy on uh, at one rehearsal, and um, we all thought it sounded good. I was just messing around, and um, we ended up going with that sound um, for that, you know, for that melody in, in the album. And then the solo I take later in the tune, I also utilize the whammy. Um, and then uh, it's a, it's just a fun tune because I, I feel like I get to uh, there's a nice balance between playing lead and also playing rhythm. Violin, um, so just the duality of being able to fill both of those roles. Um, I think that's a really good example of you know my my sound and what I'm able to do. Yeah, awesome. And not to mention, it's it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah.
So uh, what's coming up next for you guys? You, you've got a few more dates to get home, right? So yeah, next uh, Thank You Scientists, we have yeah about five more shows on this tour. We're home for a couple weeks and then we're out again for uh, another another tour about three weeks long. We're going to be out with this band Bent Knee. Um, they're based in uh, in Boston and they're an incredibly skilled and eclectic. Um, I guess you could call them progressive rock band. Um, uh, they're really phenomenal musicians, wonderful people too, and um, they put on a really kick-ass live show, so um, I'm excited to be touring with them again. Um, so we got that coming up, and then we're going to be hitting the UK in August. We're playing um, at the Arctangent Festival, um, and then we're going to be doing a few um, headlining shows as well. Uh, so we'll be there for about a week, and then who knows what the fall is going to have for Thank You Scientist. I'm sure we'll be doing quite a bit with uh, the new record coming out. Um, and then for Windfair, we have um, we're going to be playing um, a festival in Brooklyn in July. We got a few other scattered gigs coming around, um, and then in August, late August, we'll be doing a weekend in Canada. Um, our label, who put out a re-release of our EP Solar uh, PRC Music, uh, they're hosting some shows and uh, they're having us up there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Windfair is going to be doing another record, which we plan to have recorded by the end of the year. Um, and then who knows what kind of other gigs will come up. Um, and then I, I just have some, uh, some other solo projects that I'm working on, uh, you know, a couple other bands that I'm trying to you know, form together. Uh, so there's a lot on my plate right now. Yeah. That and um, also I've been doing a lot of engineering lately. Um, okay. You know, just tracking bands. I work with um, my buddy Bobby Torres. Um, his studio is called Frightbox Recording, based in Passaic. We have this little um, business that we started called Slasher Track, uh, where we focus on doing um, singles and EPs, so small releases, um, and targeting like more heavy styles of music, so a lot of metal, a lot of hardcore. Um, so Bobby's been mentoring me and um, kind of showing me the ropes and uh, helping me you know, get better at you know, recording and tracking bands. and. Um, I've been lending my ear as kind of a producer to the bands who come in, you know, those who, who want my, my advice or my opinions, um, and it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's really, really great work, and um, I, I love doing it, and I know we got, a, you know, we got some, some prospective bands to work with in the pipeline, so I'm excited to be working on that, too. Awesome. Well, hey, man, thanks for uh, letting me come and hang out with you guys. Um, Thank you. Where can people find you and your music? Well, um, I have my own website, bencaris.com, and I'm pretty up to date with uh, touring and whatnot. Uh, thankyouscientist.com. We'll have uh, bios for all the band members and our dogs in uh, Thank You Scientist, <laughs> as well as all the tour dates and all the, the album info. You can pre-order Terraformer, which is coming out June 14th. Um, so definitely check that out. Also, our promo videos are pretty wacky. If you have an exotic taste for things, um, definitely give those a look. Uh, windfair.com or windfair.bandcamp.com you can get the Windfair discography there uh, so yeah those those three sites um, pretty much sum up exactly what I'm doing these days awesome well I'm looking forward to y'all's show tonight and uh, they have good beer here so they have great beer I think yeah. I'm gonna hang out cheers <laughs> alright thanks man thanks Matt appreciate thanks for listening to another episode of Rockstar Violinist I'm headed to Nashville in a couple days to get a few more interviews, and I'm so excited about who I'm going to be talking to. I cannot wait for you guys to hear. So hang out, and we will see you next time with another Rockstar Violinist. Violinist.